Welcome back to the Building a Fighter podcast. My name is Dr. Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. With me, as always, badass strength coach in Denver, Colorado, Alex Friedman. What's up, y'all? Hey. Today, we're going to be talking about kind of practicing what you preach as a coach, and and the technical term is being a moral exemplar. And why Um, that's important. I guess, and why that's important. Alex, why is it important? Um, first off, it establishes credibility in a lot of your athletes' eyes. Um, I mean, that's just like your basic human test, right? Like, is this person a hypocrite? And then pretty much every like character test goes off of that, right? You know, if your coach is going to yell at you to buy in, be 100%, love the system, learn the system, do the system, and then they don't do that in return, maybe it's not even like they don't do the practices and like technical, but they're not giving their all as a coach, then what right do they have to lead me? Yeah. You know, so first off is that little credibility piece. Second off, this is just a foundational building block to leadership, right? Is like if you're not practicing what you preach, putting um, yourself in the same position and then executing the higher moral ground on repeat and consistently, then why would somebody follow you? Why would your athletes choose to stay within your umbrella? Um, per se. So off the top, it's that it's a uh, credibility leadership. And then I guess for a, a third point, it just establishes your like viability to your peers as well, to your other coaching staff, to other coaches, physicians, dietitians that you're working with. You know, if you're half-assed in your approach and your knowledge and skill set, then the dietitian that you're working with is not going to either take you seriously or going to have to plan around that. And then beyond that, it's just a, a lower quality experience. So being more simple is a little bit of like walk to walk, right? So even if you're not fighting per se, like you don't have to be as good as the fighters you're coaching. Like, I think that's a given, right? But you have to be executing at at least a high, uh, as high of level as you're asking your athletes to perform. Well, that hits the nail on the head. And that's what I want to talk about is I think that being a moral exemplar is actually what people say when they're talking about, I want a coach that that's been there before. I want a coach that, that I can look up to and I can learn from because something that a lot of people I've heard a lot of athletes say is like, they want a coach that's done what they want to do. Right. But if you're fighting for a UFC belt, I know of zero coaches like legitimate head coaches that have been an athlete and won a UFC title. Do you know any? I mean, I haven't met any, but Khabib is like, yeah, but as he's still an assistant example. coach. Like I think like Javier Mendez is the head coach there. Okay. Like I could say Henry, Henry Cejudo as well, but it's the head coach of Santino. Yeah. But, and like that gets in the weeds. Like I, I really like that clear distinction of like, you know, having success as an athlete, isn't what we're talking about here. Like we're not right. talking about like having a, a UFC belt that makes you a good coach because I don't think that does. Right. Well, I think that the being a moral exemplar practicing what you preach gives you that exactly what you said, that buy-in it it gives you that justification to, I can be a leader of men. I don't have to have worn a strap around my waist to coach somebody to that. right? Right. And it's a lot easier for you to get your point across. If you're the one that's showing up on time, if you're the one that's able to game plan before practice, and you're not just flying by the seat of your pants, if you're the one that practices what you preach and you continue to do that time and time again, athletes are a lot less likely to get nitpicky and say, Oh, you never did what I did. Yeah. And, and there's kind of two 
um, offshoots from this. And I'm just going to kind of shout out the two quotes that I pull from a lot with this, or at least that have been relevant to this podcast. Um, I coach at Factory X. And part of this comes from a speech that coach Mark Montoya was given to the team where, you know, he's like, like, I'm comfortable calling you out on your shit because you can't call me out on mine. Like, I don't have any bullshit habits. I make sure that I'm to the T because that's just like a, again, a good person test, right? How can I feel comfortable calling Austin out on his shit if I'm the one, if I'm not doing my end correctly, right? So I think that's um, a really big on that credibility piece. And then even what um, Coach Augie said on here when we did that interview with Augie and Eric of Landau Performance, he said consistency is one of the biggest things to uh, rising up in the coaching ranks because you have to consistently be on time. You have to consistently be practicing um, correctly. You have to consistently stay at the top of your game. It's not enough to have a good practice here or there or like a run a good practice here or there or having knocked it out of the ballpark strength conditioning session every three weeks. Like that's not good enough. I'm sorry. Um, just the same as we ask our athletes to give a consistent effort of practice. Like sometimes we get it. You're not going to do your best. That's literally why there's a, your best. So, but you have to consistently try your best. You have to consistently put your best foot forward. And I think again, athletes pick up on that. Athletes aren't dumb. They can smell bullshit a mile away. So you have to really be living the life that you preach. Well, and I think it's important too to be able to reset throughout your day, be able to get over the bat. Sometimes you have bad exchanges with athletes. Sometimes somebody yeah. blows up in your face. Sometimes you didn't have a good practice, but you have two more right after that. You have two more hours of, of training that you have to be there for. Being able to hit the reset button and being able to have a short memory, just like we ask our athletes to do, is an extremely important skill to have because one of my mentors, Corey Campbell, he's a Cairo in uh, Omaha, Nebraska. He has a thing where he takes a deep breath, he closes his eyes, and then knocks two times on the door before he enters into every single patient's room. He does it every single patient. It doesn't matter what happened the last one. It doesn't matter what you're thinking about later in the day. He has that reset switch where this is going to be my best exchange of the day. And you continue to try to have a good example and a good exchange. The more consistency you have, the more you have a system that you can try to get back to normalcy and then have a good exchange over and over again, the better you're going to be. Yeah, 100%. It's funny that you say that because I had very similar, like, um, I don't know what it is, a tick or a very similar uh, habit that when I step on the coaching floor, I like, and it's almost like reminiscent of wrestling is kind of where I got it from is like, I kind of scrub my toes on the turf or on the doormat, mm -hmm. whatever's in my way. I scrub one foot each time and then I take a deep breath and then I'm ready to coach that session, right? It helps, again, a mental reset. And then I think it's really important too, what you said is like getting back into your system, getting back into your way of operating because that preparation on the front end is what allows you to be really good. Well, right? it That's, makes it so much easier to yeah. to be consistent it makes it so much easier to be a moral exemplar because if you have yeah. a system and you do it over and over and over again it's weird if you're not a moral exemplar it's weird if that's not what you're doing right that becomes not the normal that becomes the abnormal right 100 and it's the and it shows the planning and preparation on the front end too is kind of where i was going with that is that you know if you're shooting from the hip same thing as if your athletes shooting from the hip when they come into practice every day, right? They have a consistent approach. They have a consistent routine, maybe their pre-practice stuff. Like if we're not willing or able to put that into our coaching practice or our 
um, healthcare approach, then we're not upholding the same standard that we hold our athletes to. Yeah. So Alex, what do you think? We'll say four, four or five. What do you think? Some main points, some things that you are non-negotiables as far as being a moral example are what's important for a coach talking to the athletes? Um, I think from a, just a diligence standpoint, like you have to have your session prepared and planned out. Like, I think that uh, is like a number one. I see again, too many coaching, like it's easy to fall in that trap. I totally understand it of like, you have too much to do. You have too many athletes on your schedule or whatever. And then you end up just figuring it out as you go. But I don't think that's genuinely the best way to operate, right? Just, we talked about having a system. So being prepared, having a plan in place as you go into practice is kind of number one. Um, your number two are your small, um, punctual things. Be on time, be early, stay to your schedule. If you have the schedule, um, you know, do the right things by the athlete's time as well. Don't go over practice by 30 minutes, you know, cause again, when you get to the professional level, these guys are professionals and they have other appointments. They're actual people, right? So that's, say you can't just be a college coach yelling overtime over right. and over and over again for the next 30 minutes. These people are paying or literally you're, they're paying you to be there. <laughs> Amen. Um, so be prepared, be punctual. Um, the third one I would actually, and especially for MMA, um, or strength and conditioning, if you want to, and I think this doesn't need to be said a whole lot, but, um, actually practice the discipline. Right. So like if you're strength and conditioning coach, like be in shape, right. Just, you don't have to be professional athlete level in shape. You have to be able to be fit and demonstrate all the exercises. If you're coaching jujitsu, you better fucking know what you're talking about in jujitsu, right? Like that's not. And be able not only to say it, but also show it yes. unless there's obviously a physical condition limiting you like a Donna, her situation, but. Right. But I feel as though you should be in it, whatever your discipline is, whatever you're coaching, you, you gotta be in the, in the fire a little bit. Yes. At yes. least, you know? So, um, that being said, and then the fourth one, you know, as far as continue consistently being a moral example, it's just like make ethical decisions. I think that's mm -hmm. like uh, a non-negotiable is like, you know, like don't cheat on your wife. Don't, you know, gamble on your own fighters. Don't be a just, good fucking person. Yeah. Don't be a dick. Like <laughs> that's uh, I was actually talking to a client this morning, like two rules of life. Don't be a dick and do your fucking job. Yeah. Like the, yeah. those are fairly simple. So, mm -hmm. and I would say the first three of those go towards do your fucking job. So yeah. there's a four list of four. I like that. And dude, that is, that's one of my biggest pet peeves is when like strength coaches, they can't show just the simple movement. It doesn't even have to be loaded. You don't have to pick up the weight you're giving your athlete. Just show yeah. proper form and show what you want them to do. Oh yeah. And when I was starting off, I was I'm guilty of this. And I did this like two times. I, again, it's super demoralizing or whatever, like talking about and trying to coach a movement that you've never actually performed. Mm -hmm. Like that is <laughs> the most hard thing to do, the most complex thing to do. And then if you really want to lose your credibility with your athletes, demo it and don't know what you're doing the first time. Dude, that's every, I've never given an athlete something I've never done myself or yeah. at least attempted or at least studied. And I know exactly how to say it, but 99% of the things I give my athletes, I've done myself and same with the conditioning things. And it just gives you so much more credibility. Cause I, I tell them, I'm like, look, this is what it should be. This is what I got for this typical, like if we're doing 30, thirties, these are my calories on three 30, thirties. You don't have to beat me. You don't have to lose to me, but this is what at least my splits looked like. So it gives you a, a, at least a frame of reference for what you're doing. Yeah. And 
I think it, that's why it's so important to like put yourself in the fire of strength and conditioning. Um, like literally that's one of my main motivations to work out now, like with weights and in this weight room is to explore different movements and try different shit on myself. Right. Before I try and program something wonky for somebody else. Dude, that's where right? I come it's up like, with my mobility flows. Right. It's like, <laughs> does this work for me? Is this fluid? Like, is it doing what I think it will be doing? Um, because like odds are, if you're going to fuck something up, like your athletes are going to definitely fall into that trap too. Yep. Yep. And so, being able to negotiate your, or I guess, explain your way out of movement faults. It's not just being able to demo it. Right. I, it's funny. I tell my athletes, I can do all of these things once. You got to yeah. do it 10 times, <laughs> right? But being able to feel it yourself. So, you know, what the common mistakes are saying, Hey, I need you to make a tripod. And then also feeling what the movement is. And maybe you're doing a movement that forces you to rock to the outside of the foot and you can't put pressure through that big toe. Well, how do, how did I fix this? How did I play with the movement to where I could screw my foot into the ground and get that better biomechanical position? If I don't yeah. do that myself, there's a 0% chance that I have a worthwhile cue for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't troubleshooted it on your own person, then it's hard to troubleshoot for somebody else. And like, and I mean, that extrapolates to almost this whole conversation of like, even in like ethical situations, if you haven't been through it or been through something similar in your life to either work past or have a system of thought about like, how are you going to coach and lead somebody through that similar situation in their life? Like if we Mm -hmm. take it to like that fourth point of just like making ethical, good decisions, right? What's your, you know, frame of reference. And maybe this goes beyond the scope of like coaching, but like, is faith your base is, um, like loyalty is whatever your values are. How do you show those through your coaching and stay true to them when you're having a coach athlete relationship with somebody? Well, it's cool is you typically get the athletes. They, they pick the coaches based off of those different attributes, right? You see like all like the Diaz team. All of them are, I mean, they're brawlers, they're X, Y, and Z, but they're loyal as fuck. Every single one of them are loyal to the Diaz brothers. And then you get like AKA where it's very like, it's a little bit more um, like family oriented because the Nurgamedovs are there and Cormier is there and it's a family culture. And you see the guys that want to be a part of a family culture, go to those gyms or like factory X is a good example of that. And then you get like these, like a, like ATT where it's more of the superstar gym. And then people that gravitate more towards that, that's what they want. That's the ethics that they want. But all of these athletes gravitate towards the different coaches. Right. And it's, it's yeah. not just the, Oh, they're, they're really good at wrestling. It's that's the culture that I want to be a part of. That's something that calls me to the team. That's what I want. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a, a little bit of an overlooked point when we select coaches, select our teams, or when we talk about who we want to surround ourselves with, like the first test that they have to pass is like, do I like this person? Yeah. You know, and as like petty as that seems and people say, you don't have to like this person. You have to respect them, blah, 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 whatever. Like if I'm picking somebody as my head coach, I better like that fucking guy. Fuck yeah. You know, like it's going to make life so much harder if I dislike who he is, not necessarily just dislike his like style or how he coaches or whatever. But like, if I don't like who he is, then that may not be the best fit. And you probably won't select that gym. Right. Right. So that's where, again, staying true to your values and being you. And like, I'm not saying that everybody has to like you, but I'm saying you have to present yourself as you are as a coach, not what you think you should be or not as somebody else is. Right. Well, and one, I guess one more point that I think is important to add into is treating every athlete like an individual and trying to treat them all, I guess, evenly, 
right? Just because somebody's fighting for a UFC title and the other person is making their amateur debut, that's the biggest event to both of those respective athletes, right? Like if you listen to Rogan and he talks about like this and the opposite thing, the worst thing to happen to you is the worst thing to happen to you. Right. It's not, it's not the worst thing to happen to Alex. Yeah. So it's individualized. You need to treat every athlete the same or as like as similar as you can. Obviously, if they're fighting for a UFC title, they're probably going to be able to pay you for more one-on-one time. And that's okay. But if you have the same amount of time with each individual athlete, you can't blow one off because they're making their amateur debut and then treat the UFC like the UFC champ like the greatest thing to earth. Because that creates a disparity between the two different classes. It almost makes like different classes of athletes you work with. And they sense that those the athletes are smart as hell. And if they'll right. pick up on that in a heartbeat, if they, if you're giving somebody else preferential att- attention that they don't think deserves that. Right. And I think that's, that gets into a little bit of the weeds, but that's where almost like you have to explain yourself. It's like, I'm not showing preferential treatment to this one person because you know, they're all-star blah, blah, this and that. I'm showing them preferential treatment because they've done what it takes. They've earned my respect. They've earned my time, right? Like there's that, there's a little bit of a difference there between like, I like him more, or he can do more for me. So I'm going to train him more versus this person's bought in. So of course I'm going to match that a little bit more than the person's that's halfway out the door. Right. Well, I'm not even saying that I'm saying have us have the same base level of energy for every session. Yeah. Same, you, same approach. I guess, yeah. Is, is a good yeah that's, that's, that's even better. The same approach should be for every single athlete that steps in front of you. It's yeah. the old thing. Like you're going to respect the janitor the same way that you respect the CEO. It's Absolutely. the exact same concept just from the coach's eyes, because each athlete deserves that. They deserve your full attention. And if you're not giving it to them, you're not a coach anymore. You're just a trainer. You're not, you're not actually putting emotion and intellectual intelligence into the relationship. Yeah, I get that. I get that. And I think, I don't know. I think, I think a lot of athletes have to earn that attention as well. Like maybe not in a sense of like, I'm going to treat you like shit until you've earned it, but in a sense of, you know, you need to be consistent for me. You need to, um, you know, show me that I'm really investing my time. Oh, see, I'm the opposite. I'm I'm the total opposite. Every single person that walks in, I give them as much as I possibly can until they give me a reason for me not to. As soon as they give me a reason, (laughs) well, then I'm not going to give as much. I'm not giving you my 100% if you're not giving me your 100%. But I I feel like I need to start with the battery fully charged. Yeah. And then every time they show that they're not as committed, if they're not 100% committed, well, how the why the fuck should I be 100% committed? But it needs to start at that hundred percent and it just kind of drains down if they just keep consistently fucking off for yeah, I get that word. I get that approach. I think I, I start a little bit lukewarm. So I start a little bit like a 50-50 yeah. with the athlete and with myself. And then just depending on um how they respond to training, how you know they react to me, how um dedicated and consistent I see them being, um, then we can increase and increase and increase. Or you know, they start going the other way and, and things are going wrong and there's excuses, excuse that then we get a little bit colder. So I guess yeah. that's a uh, two little different approaches, but yeah. who's to say one's wrong or right. I was about to say neither one's right or wrong. <laughs> like, it's just, that's how we both view the situations. But I think it was important to being like the moral exemplar is that you're consistent with that across the board with everybody, right? right? You, you know, you can't like start off as like, I got a new job and now I get to train, you know, Colby Covington. I'm going to gravitate all my time towards Colby Covington. Right. Automatic hundred percent when everybody else starts at 30. Yeah. That's, that's the unfair or whatever type of argument that you want to leverage there. So, um, 
but it's important to stick true to your values and really, you know, even in your professional setting, like, um, this is actually a quote that my dad used to always say to me is like, it's like when people say business isn't personal, that's bullshit. You know, I think all business is personal mm-hmm. and especially when you're coaching, it's an interpersonal relationship. And so that's, I think what's, uh, important here is that you're strong morally in your profession, which can only stem from being strong morally and your personal, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's X, Y, and Z examples. Like we talked about last time with the relentless with, with athletes that have like character flaws in a sense, but I feel as though the best way as a head coach, or when you're trying to lead a program to put something together is you have to be consistent as the, the figurehead of that. Right. We have to be authentic. Like we've, we've yeah. talked about that ad nauseum in different podcasts, but I, if you're not authentic, well, guess what? You're going to trip up at one point in time and then it's all going to come crashing down. You just even, honestly, it sounds bad, but like talk about the Diaz brothers, for example, they don't always do the best things, right? They're not necessarily what we'd consider moral people all the time. Would you, would right. you agree based off the stories? No, sure. It, that's their morals though. Yeah. They're true to themselves. They're authentic and people gravitate towards that. That's the exact same thing. And it doesn't have to be a hundred percent ethically, right? It just has to be you and you have to just consistently be you and just lead by example for whatever example you want to set. Yeah. Yeah. And you mean, I mean, if that's being a, a hardo in the training room and um, demanding the absolute most out of your athletes, every session, like, again, I think you and me wouldn't agree that it's not the best way to do things. Right. But if you're consistent in that approach and you um, apply it to everybody, then I think that's, you're setting a culture and you're doing your best. Like, um, and that's really where like success is going to dictate your outcomes or your process. Right. Is it in Uh, spite of you or because of you, but that's, that's the, that's the example you want to set. If that's the example you want to set, you stick with it because it's you. Yeah. And it's interesting. I've had a a couple of different coaching approaches and in my personal history with that, like I went on a college visit one time and uh, a coach said, I'm never going to put the team through something that I can't do. And of course that's a young, you know, straight out of college head coach saying that yeah, yeah, because you know, that's not going to work for the the 57 year old head wrestling coach. Right. So, um, yeah, it's a shit. I'm not gonna, I'm definitely going to ask my NFL lineman to do shit. I can't do I'm gonna be real <laughs> honest with you right now. No, amen. Yeah. Um, but it's an interesting, like, like paradigm or like, you can't ask more of people than you're willing to give yourself. That's a little better rule of thumb. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Hundred percent agree with that. So I got building being a moral exemplar as a coach. There's a couple of research papers that I've read on that through my thesis and stuff, but I don't really know that they're worth getting into um, on like a research standpoint. But um, the no, main have conversations, talk to people about it. That's how you learn, I guess. Yeah, I mean, listen to the podcast. Like that's what we just did. Dilute it down. Like the main takeaways are the points that I went over in the first. Like establish credibility, build viability, um, leadership be a leader to your athletes through that. And then, you know, the third point is like being authentic or, or making consistent moral choices. So that's what the quote unquote literature is going to tell you if you want to comb through it. Fuck yeah, it is. Save yourself the time. Listen to building a fighter. We're cooler. I guess that's how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we were talking about being a moral exemplar and practicing what you preach. If you have any questions, hit us up at the info in the show notes. We also have all of our programs available on our website, buildingafighter.com. There's seven different strength conditioning programs, as well as one low back re-education program, all set there for you. 
um, and the shop is fully operational. Without further ado, it's Dr. Austin Shane. Alex Freeman. And we are out. Oh.